good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. It's a natural question. What happens when we die? Uh, it becomes uh, unavoidable in time. And uh, Catholics, of course, have a, uh, an entire body of teaching rooted in divine revelation, helping us orient our lives to that question, what really happens after we die. My guest, James Papandrea, uh, teaches historical theology uh, at Garrett Evangelical Divinity School in uh, the greater Chicago area. He was uh, raised a baptized Catholic, but raised Protestant, eventually ordained in a Protestant denomination. He uh, returned to the Catholic faith through studies of the Church Fathers and now uh, actually teaches in the history and theology of the early church. Um, he's recently written, What Really Happens After We Die? There Will Be Hugs in Heaven, as the subtitle. James, good to have you back. Thanks. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be back with you. It's uh, it's a real blessing. Thanks. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the questions um, that you hear when, you know, I'm sure as you were writing this book, you were listening carefully to popular conversations. What are the, what are the, what's the, is there a single question that uh, really dominates Catholics' concern about, quote, the afterlife? Well, I think, you know, everyone sort of wonders, uh, you know, what are the requirements to get into heaven, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that may right. be the, that may be the biggest question. And, um, you know, our, our church has some, you know, very clear teachings on that. And, um, I think that, uh, that, you know, maybe the first step for folks is to realize that if you're asking the question, you're asking the right question, and perhaps you're on the right track if you're, if you're even asking that question, because, uh, uh, you know, those who aren't asking that question are the, are the ones who, who should be more worried. But, um, but I, you know, I really realized something about about the way people think about the afterlife, which is, you know, if you were to take a poll of people and ask them what happens after you die, uh, most people, especially most Christians, would probably say, well, your soul leaves your body, your soul goes on, your body stays here. And there is some truth in that, but that's not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And in my study of the Church Fathers, I really kept bumping up against um, a very strong teaching on the doctrine of the resurrection and the resurrection body. Of course, this is grounded in Scripture. We see it in 1 Corinthians 15. Mm -hmm. But the Church Fathers have a whole teaching about how we are not meant to be uh, in in some sort of a disembodied existence in the afterlife. Uh, We are ultimately meant to be redeemed whole, which means body and soul, which which tells us that our bodies are actually an essential part of our humanity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I, I, get, I get kind of disturbed when I see a lot of popular culture, and especially science fiction um, shows and stories where they propose this idea that your body is disposable. You know, right. your, your consciousness could be uploaded into a computer, mm-hmm. or it could be transferred from one body to another, and maybe you could live forever in this way. Uh, uh, but it wouldn't be you. It wouldn't be you living forever, because it would be you without your body, and that's that's not all of you. Right. And that's the, the beauty of the Church's teaching, is that our bodies are actually an essential part of who we are. Yeah. 
Yeah, this I I agree with you. This is one of those in our popular culture. This idea of uh, somehow the afterlife uh, is a, is a bunch of disembodied uh, souls, you know, flocking about doing what they do. Uh, the body has been disposed of, as you say, uh, something we don't need. It's not important, and so now uh, we. In fact, the body is often seen as a prisoner, a bondage, and death is. Uh, are free from my body now. I can, you know, do whatever I want without the intermediary, the obstacle of of a body. Uh, That's right. That's, mm-hmm. now t- you were when you were uh, in Protestant circles. Uh, my guess is that you denied that there was any kind of post mortem purification of the soul, as Catholics think, in terms of a purgation or purgatory. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I sort of bought into the, um, you know, the, the very prevalent idea in Protestant circles that uh, purgatory is not biblical, and therefore we shouldn't believe in it. Of course, um, I now teach that purgatory is biblical, right. and uh, while there aren't a lot of biblical teaching on it, um, it, it is grounded in Scripture, and then, of course, when you start reading the Church Fathers, you see that um, they believed in purgatory, so it, it wouldn't make sense for them to believe in it if it didn't have some grounding in apostolic teaching. Right. Uh, and so, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I had this idea that, oh, purgatory, that's one of those things that the Catholics added later. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you, when you study it for yourself— and you look at the Church Fathers and the evidence we have in their documents, um, it, it, it's not something that was added later. It's, uh, it's there from the beginning. Um, what do you think is the, most, dis- the greatest distortion that Catholics, not just non-Catholics, but Catholics themselves, the greatest distortion that Catholics have about uh, what happens after death? Well, I think it it really is along those lines of imagining the afterlife as a kind of ethereal or um, all-spiritual existence where a person is reduced to a mind only. And, you know, what people have to remember is even the kingdom of heaven is a created thing. So even in the afterlife, we still exist in creation. You're not leaving creation to some sort of realm outside of creation. We will still exist in creation, and even though we will exist separated from our bodies for a time, our ultimate um, existence is meant to be embodied because we'll still be in creation, and just the way our bodies are sort of the interface with creation now— um, they will be then also after the resurrection. That's why I, you know, I, I mean, the, the subtitle is only a little bit tongue-in-cheek. There will be hugs in heaven <laughs> right, because, right. because heaven is a reunion with, with the people that, that we lost along the way, and when we finally come to that point of resurrection, we will once again interact with others through our bodies, whatever that looks like. Were the fathers united on the human, the composition of the, the human person? Did they believe in body, uh, uh, soul, and spirit, or is it 
body and soul? Is it tripartite or is it two-part? What did they think? Yeah, there, there was no clear consensus among the Church Fathers on that. Some of them taught that the human person has two parts, a body and a soul, and that soul would include the spirit and the mind. Others taught that the human person has three parts, and they would say that there's a body, and then there's a sort of animal soul that, you know, animates you and drives your, you know, tells you when you're hungry and all that, and then there's a kind of higher rational soul, which you might call the spirit or the mm-hmm. mind. Um, some of the Church Fathers went so far as to say that, that they could see it both ways, and that that neither one was wrong. And so there was room for, you know, kind of both ways of looking at it. Um, but what's important either way is that uh, the mind, it, the mind is not something different from the spirit or the rational soul. I mean, uh, that that is what our mind is. And so whether you whether you think of it as a soul or a spirit or a mind, whatever that is, that is eternally connected to the body in a way that, um, that, that they can't be separated forever. And this is what the Church Fathers taught, that eventually they have to come back together. Jesus often says the kingdom of heaven is like. Um, is he giving us uh, instruction there on the geography of heaven, or is he talking about a quality related to heaven? Well, I think it's more the quality. I think it's, you know, these are the, you know, his parables are allegories. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we're always looking for sort of metaphors in the details. My favorite one, personally, is the parable of the wedding banquet. And, you know, he's basically saying the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding reception. Yes. Okay, what is a wedding reception? I mean, there's the whole theology of the body of Christ, the church, as the bride of Christ. But also... A wedding reception is a family reunion, yeah. and and so there's this element of family reunion to to um, you know our, our ultimate hope of heaven as well. And so, um, so these are the things I think he's talking about. And also, you know, we don't need to worry that heaven's going to be boring because Jesus says it's going to be like a party. Right. So right. Yeah. No, I think that's important to, to keep in mind. Uh, sometimes when people think of the beatific vision, for instance, it, it's very it's fairly static. Um, it's kind of a, a, a steady state, you know, uh, a kind of almost a, a monotone that's going on. Uh, what is the beatific vision, and how does it relate to this party? Well, you know, I think that um, for the Church Fathers, uh, the beatific vision is— uh, kind of would go back to what you know what Paul says in First Corinthians thirteen. You know there there will come a time when you will know God as well as God knows you, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and that's the beatific vision. I don't think, and this is just me talking, but I don't think we're supposed to imagine it as sort of you know me and Jesus sitting knee to knee, eye to eye, looking right. into each other's eyes for all eternity, <laughs> with to the exclusion of. Of, of any fellowship with anyone else. Yeah. I see it more as, as uh, you know, in the, the party metaphor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what does the word heaven actually mean? Oh, that's a, that's a great question, because we use it in so many ways. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it, it really, I think, heaven is kind of um, a, a term that incorporates um, both Paradise, which is uh, for for those of us, uh, our loved ones have passed away. 
they're in paradise now. I mean, assuming they've passed through purgatory, they're in paradise mm-hmm. now. Uh, they are still separated from their bodies, and, and we know this because even the saints are still separated from their bodies because we have their relics, right? Right. Um, but then after the resurrection, there will be uh, what we might call the kingdom of heaven uh, fully revealed, or uh, the book of Revelation calls it the New Jerusalem. Um, so I think the, the term heaven covers both of those, paradise, which exists now, and the New Jerusalem, or the fully revealed kingdom of heaven, which will be after the final resurrection. Um, and so I think heaven refers to kind of all of that. Very good. Uh, what is meant by the second death? Well, I think the second death is the um, is, is final death. In other yeah. words, uh, the first death would be a person's personal passing on mm-hmm. into the afterlife. We will all experience that, I mean, unless I guess some of us are still alive at the second coming. But right. um, the second death is the one you don't want, which is uh, entrance into hell. Yeah, that's, that's right. James, thanks so much. Really appreciate your work. Uh, the book is called What Really Happens After We Die. Uh, there will be hugs in heaven. James Papandrea, the author. We'll talk, James. Thanks. Thank you. I'm Al Cresto.